You're listening to the Weekend Warrior Show, presented by Cedar Sinai. In trouble in the backfield, wants to throw down. He's going to go deep. And I mean deep. And I mean touchdown, Florida. Tyree Cleveland in a miracle finish. A Hail Mary that's full of grace for the Gators. If that don't get your blood pressure up, Nothing will. And I'm joined by the man who made that call, the great Brad Nestler. Brad, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Hey, Doc, how are you today? Oh, I'm just loving trying to appreciate the work that goes in to make it look easy. And you and I know it ain't easy. I'm so blessed. You know, I got excited to talk to Dick Butkus on the show and Isaiah Thomas and some of the great doctors in our time. I'm so excited to talk to you because I Michelangelo's dead 500 years. I feel like I'm talking to Michelangelo. Right? Oh, that's too kind. <laughs> hey, I just went to Italy last year for the first time, and I, I know you're a sculptor and all of that, and uh, I've seen some of your stuff, which is fantastic. But uh, Thank you. you know, Thank you. Michelangelo, I'm, I, I was thinking, you know, how can one guy be so talented in so many different venues? You know, a, right. a painter, a sculptor, and in, a lot of people don't, you know, the, uh, the inventions and touch. I don't know how the guy had enough time to do all of it. It's un- unbelievable when, when you have a chance to go to Italy and see all that stuff. Uh, it's it's remarkable. But those are the people that inspire us. You know that that we're not doing enough and to suck the juice out of every single day. I don't think there's any greater compliment that you can pay a person than say whether you're an electrician, a plumber, a surgeon, or an announcer than saying you're an artist. Right? It's the highest compliment you can give someone. It is. Kobe. It truly is. And, um, you know, I, I don't think of my job as a job. I think of it as a craft, I guess. So it's right. sort of the same thing. Tell us a little bit about the beginning. Your dad, what did he do for a, a living? You grew up in Minnesota. Right. What, when was the moment when Cupid shot an arrow in your heart? <laughs> what were you watching that said, nope, this is what I want to do? Was it Kurt Gowdy? Pat Summerall, who was it? Oh, man, you're, you're, you're getting the guys. Um, it was probably Ray Scott who preceded Pat Summerall and taught Pat how to do play-by-play. You know, back in the day when I was, you know, 12 or 13, whatever, um, you know, the Packers were the most dominant team, and, and the number one announced team basically followed the Packers around, and it was Ray Scott. And I just was marveled at the way Ray did, and he was, you know, a minimalist. Uh, he didn't need to say a lot. He would just say, star dollar touchdown you know i mean that's that's all he had to say you know and uh i just was riveted by the way he did that and and my dad who owned a trucking business was a a, drove truck his whole life and so did my brother and my nephew does now um you know i said dad uh, listen i I think i know what i'm going to do when i grow up if i ever grow up and uh uh, he said what and i said i'm going to be a sportscaster (laughs) and you know, he sort of laughed at me, and so did my mom. And my dad said, listen, son, he said, there's this new thing just coming out right now called computers. So that ages me pretty well because that was <laughs> a new thing at the time. Why don't you get into computers? I said, Dad, I, I, that's not what I'm going to do. And wow. he said, well, how are you going to, if you're a sportscaster, are you going to make any money? And I said, I don't know, we'll see. And, uh, you know, wow. so in subsequent years, he made it long enough to see me my first stint at CBS in uh, 90, I guess, before he passed away. So uh, by the time I got to that point, he was like, 
Well, I guess he did what he was said he was going to do. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. You know, I remember I've invented a lot of instruments. I have a lot of patents on tools used all over the world. And I remember bringing my dad to the orthopedic convention where surgeons from all over the world were just loving these tools that I came up with. And I snuck them into the convention. I got him a badge. And he looked at me and he said, Robbie, how did you come up with all of these things? And I said, you taught me that. He goes, me? I'm a carpenter. How could I teach you this? Right. I said, I remember the day when you brought the Milwaukee Sawzall home and it changed your life. And he wow. looks at me like, what does the Milwaukee Sawzall have to do with orthopedic surgery? I said, everything. Everything. Because you, you didn't have to use a hammer and a, and a chisel to carve out in the two by four to put the outlet box in the stud. You could use them all. And I just remember it made such an impression on me how much that changed your life. I said, that's why I've invented these tools. It was amazing. So what a great feeling to be able to make your dad proud that you went the direction you went. And wow. you with your dad, that's an awesome story. And I, I think the only thing, I got my work ethic from my dad because he would get up at like one thirty in the morning and he'd drive truck till 6 o'clock at night and that's when we had dinner and then he had to go better to bed early because he had to do it again the next day. That and his voice probably, we sound quite a bit alike and my brother did, um, uh, my late brother sounded a lot like me. So I got my work ethic and my voice from my dad, I guess. So I love that story Ugh. though. That's awesome. Well, I tell you, what led to me deciding, please, I got to get a hold of Brad Nestler, was watching. I mean, I've been listening to you like we all have and appreciating you for all these years. But what the moment when I realized I got to get this guy, I have to talk to him, was watching the LSU Georgia game. Joe Burrow, who's really, I can't wait to hear your thoughts about this young man. But there was a moment in the game where. Gary Danielson says, oh, my God, that's got to be at least seven seconds. Look how long he's holding on to the ball. One Mississippi, two Mississippi. And you said something like, well, maybe it's a few more seconds if it's a Louisiana, not a Mississippi. <laughs> and I remember going, that's the guy I got to talk to. Because the, the beautiful calmness that you have, but the ability to be that creative, it just is – it's the reason I had I had to get a hold of you, and it was not easy. Trust me, I had to get Bob Stenner involved to be able to do this. But tell us what it's like for you after all these years to still be excited to be in the booth. Well, I think that's the key is to still be excited. I, um, you know, people ask about what my hobbies are and what my favorite things to do are and that type of thing. And, uh, you know, being with my family is great. And all of us have been with our families long <laughs> enough now. Let's go back to work. No, um, <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, I, I, I like doing games more than anything else that I do. Uh, uh, it's just that basic. I love what I do. And so I'm excited about it. And uh, that's good. I think about four years ago, I missed about, six weeks of the football season recovering from uh, some surgery. And I didn't know how much I missed it until I got back. I couldn't wait to get back in the booth. And once I got mm -hmm. back, I think I had a new appreciation for it. And it's just like rejuvenated me. I felt like I was, you know, in my 40s or something uh, when I got back in the booth because I was so excited to be there. It's a different atmosphere in that I get in my own little world, not just my world. I, I want it to be everybody's world and, and Gary and Jamie and everybody on the crew. But you do.
do kind of get into a, just a rhythm of things, and it, it's kind of hard to explain, to be honest with you. Yeah. Do you break it down? Do you see it? And again, maybe I'm wrong in all this, but do you see, just like as a surgeon, the different tools that I get to use, I break it down from the forceps to the clamps to the scalpel. Do you break it up as when to raise your voice, lower your voice, pace the voice, let the crowd noise in, when yeah. to tell the story? Do you think about that? you got to, but uh, it becomes it, natural. Yeah, uh, it, it becomes natural, and you just kind of know when it's the right time to tell a story, when it's the right time to lay out. Um, I've thought a lot about it uh, recently in that how will we do it depending on what sports is going to look like if we get back to football. If there isn't a crowd, that's going to be a whole different way of doing play-by-play for a lot of us because, you know, like you said, a lot of the times I just let the crowd tell the story. I might say, uh, you know, third down and 16, and this is a ball game, and you're going to know by the reaction of the crowd. And I, I won't say anything. I don't have to call the play-by-play. You're watching You're watching what's happening on, on mm-hmm. the uh, screen. But if we don't have crowd and we don't have fans, I don't know what it's going to look and sound like. Actually, when the basketball tournament came around and we were just about ready to hit March Madness, we were having discussions at that point uh, because, you know, it was a day-to-day thing. And at one point they said maybe they'd let in, you know, 100 relatives and, and, and you know, cheerleaders or whatever to a game as the tournament, conference tournaments were approaching. And, you know, I got together with the bosses and I said, hey, uh, you know, we've got to do something if it comes to that to kind mm-hmm. of cover us and have our sound sort of muffled in our own little area of the five-person uh, across midcourt because my voice carries in an empty arena like you can't believe and i don't mm-hmm. want parents hearing me talk about their kids i don't i don't rip anybody on the air but you mm-hmm. know just the, the thought of having parents be able to hear me kind of freaked me out and so now if we go to an empty stadium and there's a you know 70 yard touchdown or a five yard touchdown doesn't really matter i just kind of let the crowd tell the story and if there's no crowd noise you got to pick it up and keep talking and it's going to be a whole different approach to play by play so i've been thinking a lot about that lately about how mm-hmm. will i do it when we get back to work if it's not normal as normal used to be. You know, I didn't think there was something in between doing a game on radio and doing a game on TV. But we're about to experience that if you got to call a game that is on TV with no crowd, right? right? I mean, to some extent, in the past, when you left Minnesota, was your first job in radio or did you go directly to TV? No, I was in radio a long time. So radio play-by-play is, I wouldn't even mind going back to that at some point. I love doing that because you're literally painting a picture and and you have to talk a lot more. And I think the the play-by-play guy in a radio atmosphere is, quite frankly, more important than the analyst, which it's almost the opposite on tv so yeah i can i can do radio play by play i I did it for a long time i did it with the the falcons first and then the vikings and then i moved into tv so did that for a long time and then still love that art form i have so many questions there could you stay on for just one more segment sure brad with absolutely i love you all right we're going to take a break we'll pay some bills we'll come back with my favorite announcer the great brad nessler joining us here on the weekend warriors show on 710 espn